Hey, let's open our Bibles, John chapter 5, John chapter 5, the Gospel of John. <clears throat> John chapter 5, we, uh, we looked last week, uh, kind of pick it up where we left off. Uh, we talked about, uh, Jesus said, you know, we cross over from death to life. There's a radical, radical change that takes place. We're dead in sin, but the life of God comes in into our hearts and we're changed. We're radically changed. And, and there's so many things I don't think we, we totally comprehend, we totally take in, we totally realize that, that we, we're changed by the Spirit of God from death to life. We're dead men walking and, until Jesus gives us life and he makes us alive by grace through faith. And he said there that, that we have eternal life and that... You know, we have it now, and then it goes on into eternal life as well. And one of the other things that he was talking about in this chapter was the fact that he is, that he is God, that he's equal with the Father, equal with God. And, and that this has been a big subject in this book. And I, and I think that um, it keeps coming up again and again and again. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, is it true? Can, can he be trusted? And we talked about, you know, the, the things that he said about himself. And, he, and, 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 you know, if I just got up here and, and told you about myself, you know, told you, you know, a lot of stuff about me, you'd probably think I was just bragging, right? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a few things that, no. But it doesn't mean that what I was telling you is not true, right? Sometimes, you know, you, you, know, you have relationships with people, and sometimes that's all they want to do is talk about themselves. And, and you know, you go like, well, what's the point of this? You know, what, you know where are you going with all this? And, and, and that's kind of like a question that we have when we're, and we're thinking, you know, gosh, you know, you start looking at your watch, some of you already looking at your watch already, like this guy's talking too long already. It's been two minutes. And, and, but the question is, is it really true? And, and, and Jesus uh, goes on in this next section, the last section of chapter 5, and he, and he kind of uh, talks uh, about not just what he's had to say about himself, but what others were saying as well. We call that testimony that, you know, Eyewitness testimony or testimony from other sources, right? And that's kind of, that's kind of what we're going to look at today. Uh, how, many of, how many of you saw the movie Case for Christ? Any of you saw it? Quite a few. Uh, I, I'm familiar with the story. I, I haven't seen the movie uh, myself yet. But, but, you know, it was about a journalist, those of you that, that hadn't seen it. And, and uh, he was very good. He was at the top of his profession. He was winning awards and all kinds of things. But, but at home, things were not going quite so well. Out in the, his career, they were going great. But at home, things were not going quite so well. And, and uh, his wife uh, became a believer in Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> he was an atheist. He was an avowed atheist. And and. And this faith that she had now, it went, it went against everything that he believed or, let's say, didn't believe. And so he said, he said you know what, I'm a journalist and I, you know, he had legal training. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check this stuff out so I can you know, 
set my wife straight, you know, so I can, you know, prove that this is all just, you know, uh, these claims about Christianity, they're, they're not, you know. And, and he, he kind of wanted to save his marriage, you know, so, but he went chasing down this story as a journalist would do, and he, but he came, to, he came face to face with some results that he wasn't prepared for. And that is that, that it was true. And he completed this investigation for like two years, it took him. And, and he found faith himself in Jesus Christ. And his life was changed. His marriage was saved. It's an, it's an incredible story. But, you know, it, it, he, it's called the case for Christ. And I think this is kind of like what I'm thinking about in terms of this passage here. There's another very, very good book. It's actually two volumes. It's called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. How many of you have seen that? Some of you have seen it. It's excellent. It, and, and, you know, the guy wrote, uh, you know, it's basically, look at, look at all these different things, all the evidences that demand a verdict. And, and, you know, you can have all the proof in the world, but in the end, you still have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. Like, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to... How am I going to respond to that? I want you to, before we keep your hand in John chapter 5, and turn back to Matthew chapter uh, 16, if you would, please. Uh, I want to look at Jesus asked a question of his disciples. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. He asked a question of his disciples there, and he says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, verse 13, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say he's John the Baptist, others say he's Elijah, and still, other, uh, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's, they said, you know, that's who he is. He's, he's these different people. But verse 15, but Jesus, looking at his disciples, he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? It, eventually, it gets down to, to me. Am I, you know, looking at all the evidence, and, and I'm not talking about blind faith here now. I'm talking about evidence and testimony and the things that we see throughout uh, history. What, what do you and I think about that? What? Who do I say he is? And this is Peter's answer, and it's a powerful, a powerful statement, isn't it? He says, Simon Peter answers, he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one that, that we've been waiting for, and you are the Son of the living God. And, and when someone said the Son of the living God like that, it's as, as Jesus was saying those words that he was the Son of God, that he was God's son, that God was his father, it meant that he was equal to God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. What is the rock that he's talking about? Not Peter. The rock that, that Peter's statement 
represents that you are the Christ, that, that Jesus is the rock that, that the church is built upon, that our lives can be built on the, the Son of the living God. So let's turn back to John chapter 5, thinking you know, that he's going to ask us, well, who do you say that I am? This last section of John chapter 5, again, it's, it's basically building a case. Different wist, uh, witnesses and testimony to Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse 31 where we left off. Jesus is speaking and he says, If I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. In other words, it's not enough. If he testified about himself. Uh, not that it wasn't true. Like I said, I could testify about myself and it, it, may, it may be totally true. But you're still going to say, well, that's what he thinks about himself. And... Even the Old Testament law itself required that you would have at least two to three witnesses for a case. Or it wasn't, the case wasn't strong. In, in, a, in a case in, in, a, in courts, in our courtrooms today, you know, one witness is okay, but, but it's not going to be a very strong case. But if you've got multiple witnesses, it's going to be a much stronger case, right? Does that make sense? Are you with me? Somewhat? Hello? Yes. Testing, one, two, three. Verse 32, he goes on to say, there is another. He, he testified about himself. We've looked at, that, at those claims, what Jesus had to say about himself. Verse 32, there is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John. And he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light. And you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So he starts off with the, the testimonies that, that the first one he gives to us is John. John who? Who's John? John the Baptist, right. It says he's testified to the truth. The truth about what? The truth about who Jesus is. Now, he says, not that I accept human testimony. In other words, Jesus, Jesus doesn't depend upon our testimony to be who he is, right? No matter whether we believe in him or not. That's why, you know, we say whether we believe in God or not, it doesn't change the fact of who God is in himself. But John the Baptist, he bore testimony. He gave this testimony. And, and we, we saw way back in John chapter 1, he gave testimony about, about Jesus. You remember he saw Jesus at one point. He says what? Behold what? The Lamb of God who, who takes away the sin of the world. He saw him. He testified to that truth. He called Jesus the Christ. He called Jesus the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He he looked at him and he, and, he, and he gave this testimony. This is the guy. And then we saw that his own disciples left him to follow after Jesus. And, and was John the Baptist upset about that? Yeah, he got really depressed. Like, like we do if somebody leaves our church to go to another church. No. He said, yes. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. Why? Because he gave testimony to who this man Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Messiah, the Christ is. 
It's interesting in these verses that I just read here. You know, Jesus, again, Jesus is talking and he's telling us these things. And you could say, well, you know, he's just giving us all, he's telling us all a lot of things about himself. And again, somebody who likes to talk about themselves will say, you know, so-and-so said that about me. And so-and-so over here said that, and, and this over here proves this about me. And, and, and you could get the impression, right, that, that you're just trying to build up yourself, right? But it, but it gives us a reason why he's even doing this at all here in these verses. What did it say? It said there in, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 34, he said, But I mention it, but I'm saying these things. The reason I'm saying these things is what? that you may be saved. The only reason I'm bringing these things up is because I want you to be saved. I want you to be rescued. I want your life to change. I want something to happen in your life. Jesus didn't need to draw attention to himself. In fact, so many times he would just like slip out of the room, slip out of the place, because he didn't want the attention upon himself. He didn't need to. He didn't, he didn't need to build himself up. Most times when people are doing that kind of thing, they think they need to build themselves up. They're insecure, and so they just come rambling on and on and on about themselves. Jesus didn't need to do that. He was secure. He didn't have any insecurity issues like some of us do. Not me. So I'm going to talk about myself for 15 minutes, and then you're going to go, that guy's really insecure. All he did was talk about himself. Jesus didn't need to do that at all. But he did it so that they would and they might realize who he was and accept him and be saved. That's what he wants. That's what he, that's what he desires for you and I to be saved. That we would be in, in heaven with him forever. And ever and ever. So that's the first thing. John the Baptist. The second thing found in verse 36, he says, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the very work that the Father has given me to finish and which I am doing testifies that the Father has sent me. So what is he talking about there in verse 36? What's the testimony there? Again, it's not just his words, right? It's what? It's what he did, the miracles that he did. It's, 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 he proved who he was. And, and ultimately, the greatest miracle, now this hadn't happened yet, so he, he, he wouldn't talk about it, but ultimately the greatest thing was the resurrection, the resurrection from the dead. So these tes- this testimony, the miracles that he, that he had done, uh, that the Father gave him to do, uh, you know, Jesus didn't just come on the scene and, 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 and speak a lot of words without backing them up. Now, it's interesting to think about John the Baptist. It says that John the Baptist did no miracles, yet he was greater, you know, his life was greater than so many others. But Jesus came now and, and he began to do these things that no one else had been able to do, to give the blind sight to raise people from the dead. Incredible. Jesus did all those things. Now you can say, well, that's just what people say, but I think if you were a journalist and you went to, to examine the fact, there are, there are testimonies throughout history of, of, that, of what Jesus came and did. Now you can say, well, that's not true or whatever, but you still have to weigh it. You still have to look at it, think about it. 
Did Jesus come on the earth? Did he do those kinds of incredible things or not? Did he or didn't he? Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. Again, a claim to deity. He said, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Only God could do that. The, the Jews knew that. They knew that only God could give sight to somebody who was blind. Heal people that had never walked before. He went on to say in John 15, If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. You see, the miracles spoke for themselves, but there still came a point where they had to make a choice, and they, they made a choice to reject Him, and actually not just reject Him, but hate Him. Again, you can take all the evidence in the world, but in the end, you, you know, the judge and the jury, they make a decision in the end. They weigh all the facts. Now, you know, uh, there have been, you know, miscarriages of justice where people, despite all the evidence, despite all the testimony, despite everything uh, that is showing the truth of a certain thing, they say, well, you know what, I don't want to believe any of that, so this is what I'm going to say happened. That's what happened here. They hated him. The third, the third testimony found in verse 37 is the Father. It says here, And the Father, or God the Father, who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. The Father has testified concerning me. Well, when did he do that? Well, he did that in many ways and, and many times, but, but the two that stand out, I think, at Jesus' baptism, right? It says, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. And again, that, that doesn't mean that he's just, you know, a boy. It, it meant that he was God's son, his only begotten son, the one and only he said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It happened again, didn't it? At the transfiguration. When Jesus was up on a mountain with, what, three of his disciples. It said a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. And that's not the internet cloud, folks. The cloud of heaven. I read this morning in Psalm 113, it said, you know, that, that he is, his glory is above the heavens. His glory is above the heavens. So this voice coming out of the heavens themselves, saying, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Slight difference, isn't it? first two parts are the same. This is my son whom I love, but, but the first time he says, with him I am well pleased. And the second time he says, listen to him. Listen to him. Are you listening to Jesus? I think, I think in this passage, I, when I was studying it and looking at it, you know, yeah, we have the testimonies about who Jesus is, but we also see the contrast of people who believe and people who do not believe. 
The people who do believe are going to be ones who will listen to him. He said to them, he says, you have never, you have never heard his voice. The Father has testified, you've never heard his voice, you've never seen his form. So those that, that are believers and those that are not, he says, he says they, they had never heard his voice. They'd never seen his form. Now, uh, you know, this idea of hearing, you know, the voice of God, you know what? Some will say, well, that, you're starting to get a little bit, you know, mystical talking about hearing the voice of God. But you know what? If you don't hear the voice of God, I don't think you have a relationship with him. If you have a relationship with someone, you hear back and forth. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily hearing a audible voice. But there is something about having a relationship with God where God will speak to you. I totally and completely believe that. God speaks. God speaks in lots of different ways. God speaks through His Word primarily, I would say. But God speaks by His Holy Spirit. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through one another. And, but God wants to speak. But, but He was talking to them. He said, you've never even heard His voice. In other words, you should have. You need to. Again, this contrast between those that hate and reject him, between those who are open to him, who listen. He says you've never seen his form, and, and, and you say, well, what is that all about? You know, you know the Bible says we, you know, no man can see God, but yet Jesus said what? If you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. So, so he's saying, I'm, you know, God is right here in front of you, and you are not even able to see that God is here with you? The crazy thing is, is the, the people that he was talking to, is they had the scriptures. They had the Old Testament scriptures. They had this word, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But they did not allow God to speak to them through those scriptures, through the word. Look at verses 38 and 39, talking about the scriptures. Nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. And yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. They had the scriptures, but they didn't have the God of the scriptures. See, you can have a Bible, and, 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 and I, would, I would venture to say that, you know, most people in this room have at least one Bible in your house. Many of you, probably most of you, have more than one Bible at your house. They had, they had the scriptures, they had the Bibles, and, and, and of course they, they, the printing press wasn't uh, invented at that point in time, so they weren't like us to have multiple copies printed up, but they had the scriptures, and especially those Jews, the, the, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, you know, they had the scrolls, they could read them, they studied them intensely, but they missed the message. So you, you and I can have Bibles, and, 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 and I'm not even talking about just the Bibles that are on our coffee table that are gathering dust, or on the bookshelf that are gathering dust. 
I'm talking about a Bible that you actually open. You can open the Bible, read the Bible, and, and miss the whole message. Miss the God of the Bible. The Bible isn't just some kind of textbook, is it? The Bible isn't just some kind of a, you know, educational thing. The Bible is the Word of God that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to, to have this relation that we, would, that we would grow in our relationship with Him. He said it to him. He says, he says you have the Bible, you have the Scripture, but, but, but it's not in you. The Word, he says, it's not in you. Incredible. Verse 38, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You know what? We need to believe, obviously, but we, as believers, we need the word inside of us. We need God's word in us. Why do you think we study the, the Bible? Why do, you, why do we open it here on Sunday morning? Why do we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, so we can get the Word? But it's not enough just to do it. And, and, I, and I'm not trying, I don't want to put any guilt trips on anybody. You know what? That, that doesn't work. I was listening to a message yesterday by Alistair Begg, and he said, you know, it, you, you can't you know, force anybody to do anything. But, but to encourage people to, to, you know, to do these kinds of things, to get the Word of God in your life and in your heart, you know what? I don't know how I would survive without it. John said later in 1 John chapter 1, he said, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, that is God, and his Word has no place in our lives. The next chapter, he says this, I, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. The word of God actually lives in you and you have the ability to fight. Where do you get strength? How did Jesus fight the spiritual battle? What did he do? He quoted scripture. He fought the enemy when he had that face-to-face -face battle with Satan. He fought him with scripture, the word of God. He said here in this passage, the scriptures point to Jesus. But verse 40, there's a decision. There's always a decision to make. He says that they had the scripture. The scripture testified to him. All the, all the Old Testament pointed to the Messiah coming to Jesus. He says, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's a decision. They refuse. No, I won't. I just won't. Verse 41, I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I know you. You don't have the love of God in your hearts. Again, this contrast between those that, that refused him and those who accepted him and, and that they had the love of God. They had a word of God in them. They had the love of God in them. And that's and, and you can look at that both ways, that, that God's love for them, that love of God, and also the love for God, the love of God in their own lives for Him. It's a, again, it's a relationship. It's a back-and-forth relationship that, that uh, true believers like you and I would have. Verse 
Verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. <clears throat> How can you believe if you, if you accept praise from one another yet? Make no effort to, to obtain the praise that comes from the only God. Again, we see there's a difference between those that refused, rejected Jesus, and those who accepted him, those who believed in him. They were willing to accept others. You see, they made the conscious choice to, re, to re, refuse and reject Jesus Christ. Yet others would come along and they say, well, we'll listen to that guy. And, and interesting on enough to speaking about end times that ultimately they would be willing to accept the antichrist you won't accept the christ the true christ but you will accept the antichrist i i, I can't stop thinking about what justin said though about about the you know the world wanting to make disciples and that's not just of our children that's us you know those statistics if i got these right 800 hours with our kids, this is over a life, you know, this is a, over a whole, uh, what, K through 12? 800 hours compared to 11,000 hours or 33,000 hours of, of screen time? Uh, that doesn't even have anything to do with what I'm saying here other than the fact that, that the world has an agenda. The world has a, a, a discipleship program that it wants to put us under. And you and I as believers need to be very aware of that. Be, be very understanding. Like, who am I going to listen to? Am I going to have God's Word be the deciding force or what the world has to say? Can people see a difference in my life or not? He said it there in verse 44. He said, you know, we accept praise from one another and, you know, we're more concerned about, about what people think. But he says we make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God. What really counts is what God thinks. It's not what people around us think. What's really important is our relationship with Him. Finally, the last testimony is Moses. You know, Moses, to these guys, Moses was like the man, right? He's the, he's the guy. We, we are followers of Moses. We'll listen to whatever Moses say. Uh, whatever Moses says, we'll listen to it. But did they really? No, because Moses came along and Moses, Moses talked and he, he had, you know, prophetic uh, about, you know, those that would come or the Messiah that would come, Jesus that would come. They didn't accept him either. Look at the last verses there. But I think, but do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? How are you going to believe what I say? You, you know, you say you believe in Moses, but Moses pointed ahead to, to me, and, and, and it's really a choice that you're making. You know, he, he's kind of, you know, confronting them in a sense with the fact you've made, you know, you know, I don't care what the facts are, my mind is made up. 
and my mind is made up that I'm not going to follow, I'm not going to accept you. The sad truth is, is that is what happens with so many people. We have a choice to make. We have a, a, a free will. We can make a choice. And I hope that you've made that choice. One last slide before we close. I want to put up there. Uh, 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 let me just mention, though, uh, another testimony throughout the centuries is the, the history of changed lives. People's lives have been changed. My own, my own life, many people's lives in this room, lives have been changed by Jesus. Testimony to what God can do and who God is and who Jesus is. But, but this last, last one here is, is uh, <clears throat> for those that are saved. Again, back to the reason he was even bringing this up. And some of the differences and the contrast for those that, that are saved, they would actually hear his voice. They could see him, they could see Jesus, they would believe, they would come to Jesus, accept Jesus, believe him. And through that and in that, the word of God in their hearts and Christ and the love of God would be in their hearts. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. Amen. That's what I want. That's how I want to live. That's, that's, that's what I want my life to be like. And, 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 and seeking to follow after him and seeking the kingdom of God first. All the rest of this stuff, yeah, it's important, it's, it's necessary, but, but he says, seek the kingdom of God first, and all the other stuff will be added unto you. So, so what, you know, what, is, what is it in my life, in your life? And, 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 then, and then from there, when our lives are, are, are being changed, we have a testimony. The testimony is coming out of our lives as well to those around us, people around us. Overwhelming testimony, and yet we still make a choice. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, your Son. Oh, where would we be without Jesus? Lost, dead, without any kind of hope, without any kind of future. And yet, Jesus, you came, you, you, you came to the earth, and you knew what that entailed. You knew that it would require you giving your life on the cross, but yet you, they weren't able to keep you in the grave. You rose from the dead, defeating death, conquering death, conquering sin, that we might have life. Jesus, you are so awesome. You are so incredible. You are so worthy of our worship and praise. All the evidence, all the testimony, all the facts that point to you, and yet so many choose to reject you, Lord. I, I, I don't understand it, but, but yet I do because I rejected you for so many years as well. But when I said yes and I turned my life to you, you changed me. You changed me from the inside out. And you're still changing me. And you have a future and a hope for all those who say yes. All those who receive you as Lord and Savior, who live for you day after day after day, who have your word living in their hearts. 
Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We're, we know it's a hard world, and uh, that picture of Goliath, that's, that's kind of like what we face in the world, but, but Goliath, compared to you, is like nothing. And through our faith, and it says, what's the victory that overcomes the world? It's our faith. Our trusting in you, Jesus, as Lord, as Savior, as the only one that can help us. So, Lord, I, I pray this morning as well, maybe there's someone in this room who's never said yes, never received Jesus, never accepted you. And I pray for them that how much is it going to take? How much do you need? Will you give him a chance, give him an opportunity? in your life and heart and, and pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I, I'll give you a chance. I'll open my heart. I'll let you in. I'm, I, I, I don't have any other hope. The stuff I've tried hasn't worked. So please, come into my life. I, I, accept, I accept this testimony. I accept you. Take a moment before him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. No other hope. Jesus. Let's all stand together and sing, shall we?